Hello, and welcome to this week's Therapy For Me. This week, I'm going to talk a bit about being invited on to a podcast as a guest, something I never really expected happening. A um, bit of a thanks to my dad, um, a note on self-isolation, and, and yes, it's come to it. I need to talk to you about tea. Anyway, let's have some guitar. <laughs> So yesterday, I was invited to um, appear as a guest on a podcast. Um, it's a podcast called Behind the Noise, and it's something that came up um, before I left my old job. So uh, I'd been invited on because of my kind of uh, position within the music industry and uh, the company I worked with. And I happened to get back in touch with Mark, who's the guy who runs the podcast, and say, well, look, I'm not still, you know, with the company I was with before, but I still do a few things in and around the industry. Would you would you still want to um, have me on as a guest? And not really expecting whether he would or he wouldn't, but I thought it was a nice way at least of letting him know that I'd moved on and uh, and what have you. And then he came back and said, yes. And then he found out that, I'd got a podcast as well about therapy for me, and then um, because he's a podcast junkie, he 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 binged listened. Um, I think he's the only person who probably binged listened to this podcast, and and came back and said, "Oh yeah, it's great. We could. There's lots of things we can you know we can talk about." So um, I got in the car um, yesterday and um, and drove up to um, a small village just outside Penrith, um, and we sat down. In a in a village hall, small village hall, exactly as you expect a village hall to be. Um, you know, badminton court marked out on the floor and kind of you know wooden ceiling and and all the things you'd expect. Nice big tea urn and what have you going on in the kitchen, and uh, and, and they set a really great little area up um, for this podcast. And we sat and we talked. And what was interesting was uh, apart from the fact it was a joy to be invited onto uh, something like that, um, was also that. At the point when we we finished the conversation, um, you know, Mark, Mark said it's it's a great time to finish. Let's finish there, and we stopped. And he said, "Wow, um, you know, well, that's just over two hours." Then, at which point, I kind of <laughs> obviously it hit home that we'd been talking continually for for two hours about a whole a whole you know sort of raft of things, and um, and it was. It talked to me again, and I know we've talked a little bit about you know podcasting and my views on on podcasting and, and about how great it is as a as a medium. Um, but it also talks to how you put a couple of people together in a room who don't know each other, and yet because of the things they have in common, very quickly they can they can have a conversation that goes on for for that length of time. So I just want to say thanks to Mark. Um, it's called the podcast is called Behind the Noise. I'll put some links out there as to as, as to uh, the episode details. Not particularly to listen to 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 me particularly because I'm not convinced I'd listen to myself for two hours in fact I know I wouldn't but just to discover some of the other content and, and the other episodes in 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 the series that Mark's done it was his 70th the one that we recorded and having listened to a fair few of of the ones he's done they're absolutely fascinating and they talk to you know things he's interested in people that he's he's come into contact with and, and feels are uh, have got have got you know stories to share but also very much there's a real strong community 
element to to what he does because a lot of it is based around the area it comes from. So um, if you get a chance, go and, and give it a give it a a, a try. And and really, just a huge thanks to uh, thanks to Mark for having me on. Tuesday. This moment was always going to arrive, um, but I want to talk to you today about traffic light sequencing now i know you're gonna think right here we go here's another one we've had the whole thing finger gesture thing uh we've had the whole thing to do with up and down and right of way on hills we've had the whole thing to do with yellow boxes this guy has got a perverse interest in um etiquette on the roads or perverse interest in in the nonsense that goes around on on the roads and and you and you're right i, I mean i mean i can't really shy away from that um but we're into the last of the territories now where I really get wound up about this. And, and I've, I've individually bored a number of people with my views on this. Um, and it stems back from standing on top of the Empire State Building, which um, the only reason that's relevant is because when you stand, if you've stood on top of a building like that, and it's particularly um, interesting in that city... Because when you look down, you assume, as everybody assumes, that New York is just a complete jam of traffic. That everywhere, but everywhere in New York, traffic. And actually, when you stand up and look down, you realise that's not the case. What you realise is that New York is congested in a few places. But if, as you look out over, you know, over Manhattan, because it's not New York, Manhattan, but as you look out over Manhattan, what you realise is that there's a lot of spare road with no cars on it. So this bit of every single bit of, of, of New York is kind of gridlocked, is nonsense. And then what I then started thinking about was, well, hang on a minute, what's so wrong with the traffic light system on that space that means that there's all these people queuing and getting annoyed in one, in one place, but then there's all this road. So I now get quite sort of worked up about being sat waiting for a traffic light to change when I can see that there's clear road ahead of me because we're not we're not doing this very well because the whole idea of traffic lights as far as I can tell is just to even out traffic so you know we reduce the amount of delays and we actually end up with people on the move as much as we can yet we don't do that because we can't sequence traffic lights and I can't believe it's beyond the wit of man that we can't actually get a system whereby the road and the traffic lights know if there are people waiting to go or not. So um, you, you know, you you sit there and you wait and you wait for nothing coming the other way while you're on red, and then it changes to green and then it lets three cars through and then you all sit and wait for nothing to go again. Because the traffic lights are set up to work Monday to Friday and it's Saturday and it doesn't work. Or the traffic lights are set up for a morning set of traffic and it's now 11 o'clock and the traffic lights don't work again because the traffic that they're set up for isn't isn't there. Um, and I'm, I'm just hoping, I'm hoping in my lifetime this we work out a way of doing this. Because I get frustrated when I'm sat and I'm in a queue and I'm waiting for 10 changes of the lights because I'm 30th in the line and the whole things are only letting through three cars at a time. Now, and I know this all talks to age. I know it talks to age. I'm fine with it. I am 
Though actually, I have been this grumpy for quite a while. Um, as many, many, many of the people I know will attest to that. But um, so, just a little plea. This is not anything that we can all do better. Can if there's anybody out there, if you know anybody who has anything to do with traffic light sequencing, can you please play them this little section of audio and just say why? Can we? Is it possible we can we can change it somehow? Because I really, really would appreciate it. Wednesday. We're in a coronavirus kind of holding pattern. We know that there's going to be changes. We know that the government is going to affect the way that we live our lives in an attempt to make sure that uh, this now global pandemic... Um, goes through the country as you know as swiftly well maybe not as swiftly but certainly with as as little disruption as possible even though we know that's going to be a lot of disruption um so we're down now to finding out what things will continue as normal what things will be changed whether will there be impacts on travel well the, the the impacts on things like school and work and all those kind of things and it's playing out in real time and in real time it's playing out you know, almost hour by hour as things develop and as things change. Um, what's interesting was I was in London yesterday and I've never known central London as quiet. Um, I took a train in, uh, the normal train I would normally take from Hatfield about half past nine, normally very busy because it's the first off-peak train, um, really quiet, really, really quiet, but, you know, maybe a third full where normally I would expect to have to potentially stand on that train um arrive at King's Cross um not as n not as busy as I would normally expect and I did my normal walk I was I'd got a meeting um around the Covent Garden area and I did the normal walk I do down through uh you know um sort of involving Bloomsbury and Russell Square and, and, and down through Holborn and across to um you know via sort of Seven Dials and into and into Covent Garden and it was really really quiet so I think irrespective of what governments are telling us we seem to as a country we seem to make our own decisions and we seem to act as a country and you could talk this a little bit like panic buying so you know in you're being told not to panic buy but the country is panic buying and consequently you know you can't buy a a, you know toilet roll and you can't buy hand soap and you can't buy um you know as i tried to do try uh, was try to buy you know six plus calpo calpo which i couldn't buy anywhere so that was already a thing we made our decisions we you know a week and a half ago or a week ago we, we decided that actually at some point we were going to have to close in and we were going to have to shut the doors and we were going to have to social distance and then before we've even started saying these things the fact is it's already happening um, now, I don't know if this, I don't know how this works out, whether this means that collectively, we, collectively we've accepted that something big is and something real is going on here and we need to behave accordingly. Uh, and we've already started doing those things. Or maybe it was just an odd freakish Tuesday, I don't know. But um, I think the country is, um, is collectively and individually have, have accepted self-isolation. We've accepted the fact that we are going to... And by that, I don't think it means... I think everybody's now just retreated into smaller groups, smaller little family groups or close friend groups, rather than, you know, rather than 
self-isolating absolutely. And by that, I don't know how you do that anyway. I don't know how if 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 I if I needed to self-isolate just me, how I do that in this house without including the family. So I don't quite know actually how self-isolation in theory really works. Um, I think we're talking more about house isolation rather than self-isolation. But for whatever reason, we've passed that point and and as a collective of people, we've started taking those measures or it appears to me that we've ta- started taking those measures already ourselves. Um, which I think is it's interesting just if you think about how as a community we take that responsibility on. So um, I just thought I'd mention it because I was thinking about it in the walk back through to and from town yesterday and then in the, in the drive home. Um, you know, and maybe we'll know collective as a country when the time is right to open the doors again. I don't know. Um, so I, I just, I hope you've got what you need um, and you're ready for this. Um, and yeah, we, we, we appear to be halfway down that path. Thursday. A couple of weeks ago, there was an incident. Um, I was making tea um, in the morning. Uh, the, 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 the first, the important cup, the first cup of the day, the 6.30, 7 o'clock cup, which is really, really, really vitally important that you get right. So um, I, was down, I was down making that and I reached in the cupboard um, to get out um, my wife's cup and it slipped out of my hand and it dropped and it dropped and it managed to break not only the teapot but it managed to break my favourite um, tea mug as well so already it's a big thing because my Tour de Yorkshire mug my yellow Tour de Yorkshire mug which I've which um, I got um, when um, the Tour de France came through Yorkshire a number of years ago, uh, which had become a mainstay uh, for me, um, that had gone, and then the teapot went as well. And and the thing about the teapot was it was a it was a teapot that was perfectly sized for two mugs. So for when um, I made tea for the two of us, that teapot was a perfect size. And over a period of time, I'd perfected how to make a cup of tea in that teapot. So already in that moment, I'm struggling with um, the loss of my mug um, and I had to switch and get a different teapot out. Now, the teapot that, you know, and we have a few, but they're all, all the others are bigger. So the teapot that I got out, um, really you will get four mugs of tea out of. So now I'm trying to make the perfect two mugs of tea in a teapot, which means there's lots of space in there. So, so I've got to judge the amount of water um, that I need in this teapot to make an equivalent cup of tea to what I was making in the teapot before. And weeks later, I've still not got that right. Now, it's not the tea's bad. Don't get me wrong, it's not terrible. But when you get to a standard with something, for something that's really important, and before, for any of those listening who don't get this, so anybody listening outside of the country or anybody listening, let's face it, anybody listening outside of Yorkshire that might not get it properly, this is a big deal. This is a really, really, really big deal. And, you know, I go to great lengths. I go to great lengths to ensure that the water has been run. Uh, You can't make tea with, you can't, 
use water that's been boiled before. Can't hit, can't hit go on the kettle um, if it's been boiled previously and make decent tea. In IMHO, um, you, I think you need to run the water for a second before you put it in the kettle. I don't think it can be standing in 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 the pipe. I think it's got to have drawn for a little while. I think the water has to be boiling. I think you have to need the right proportionality of water to tea bag. It needs to stand for the right length of time. It's got to be at least five minutes. And then we're into the whole thing of the amount of milk because this is a big deal. As and 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 you and not milk first. Got to be milk second. So there's there's stuff here, and um and it's it's a big deal. So if if I having perfected to 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 my you know to my standard and 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 to our standard something that really worked, then the disruption of a different teapot is is as has really taken and he's still taking a long time. I don't actually think that we're there yet. Actually, um, I just wanted to get that off my chest um, because, um, as the as the podcast name suggests, this is a therapeutic moment, and this is a real issue where therapy is required. <laughs> This is a bit of a shout out um, to my dad, um, which you'll never hear because he doesn't listen to this podcast. He, he he tells me he's aware that it's out there, but he doesn't want to listen to it or he hasn't listened to it, which is fine. Um, so um, so I'm going to thank him now and he won't ever find out. Um, but that was just because on Tuesday he went down to Bramall Lane, which is the home of Sheffield United. And for those who've listened all the way through, you'll know I'm a Sheffield United supporter and season ticket holder. And he went down to Bramall Lane and he went to get some FA Cup quarter-final tickets because we're playing Arsenal uh, in just over a week's time. And um, and he and he arrived down there, and it was raining, and there was a ridiculous queue. And he was he, he rang me and said, "Look, I'm going to try and do this online." And he asked me for some details. Um, then he went home and he tried to do it online, and he worked out that actually it was you couldn't do it online. They hadn't made it available, or, or it was beyond his technological capability to make it work. Not going to say which way around, but anyway, it was. Uh, so um, it probably was doable, but it probably hadn't been made very, very um, um, simple to understand. So he set off back down and he ended up queuing for the tickets. And I think it took him a couple of hours to queue for uh, football tickets, which is which is bonkers in 2020 that you would go and queue for two hours for tickets to something. But anyway, he went and he queued for two hours uh, for tickets to um, a football match. Uh, so that um, so that the, I think it's got five tickets for, um, for some of us to go and see this this match, including one for my eldest son and one for his best friend. Um, and the reason why I want to thank him is not for going down and queuing. Though obviously, yes, I want to thank him for that. But um, as it turns out, as of today, all elite football, uh, and you can argue whether Sheffield United fall into the elite football category, but. Um, I'll let you have a cheap shot at that, but we'll we'll move on. Um, has has been cancelled uh, down to coronavirus, so um, so those gatherings have gone away. So that match now isn't going to be uh, a week on uh, a week on Sunday, and um, we don't know when it will be. It'll, it'll appear at some time, so the tickets are valid. But it just seemed a a thing to to shout out a thanks because, as it turns out, he he didn't 
he didn't need to make the journey. Um, though I suppose at some point we would have needed to have done. But the fact that he went down, tried to do it a different way, then travelled back down to Sheffield to queue for those tickets. Uh, and had he's done this a number of times for important games when it's not been possible for me to get down or what have you. So just thought, you know, end of the week, nice little note. Thanks to my dad. Thanks to everybody who does those little things for us, who, who actually gives of their time um, to go and you know and go and do these rather mundane things that don't 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 take great intellectual capacity and and aren't going to and aren't going to move the needle particularly but do actually make life worth living so thanks pop um and that's and that's us for the week so thanks thanks again for listening uh please check out um behind the noise i'll put some details out so people know where to find it but please please check out because it's a great achievement what what mark's managed there um Please continue to um, share this with with anybody you think you might enjoy it. And if you are enjoying it and you feel in a position, particularly on Apple, to uh, rate it, uh, then ratings would help other people. Other people find it. So um, I would I would appreciate anything anybody who who wants to rate it, particularly if you've got nice things to say or positive things to say. Then then please do that. Um, I don't know where we'll be next week. We could all be sat at home. You might end up getting multiple episodes of this. You might get my self-isolation week in real time. I don't know. Um, But until then, take care of yourselves. uh, Wash your hands. um, And just do whatever you feel is best for you and for those around you that you love and care for. I'll speak to you soon. therapy for me then please subscribe and share as you see fit this has been an a short stories production